There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We've all been there, walking down a street, seeing someone likely living there. Homelessness is rising across the country. And for a long time, our area had really bucked the trend. Homelessness had been decreasing every year since 2019. That ended in 2023, when a Metropolitan Washington Council of Governments report showed an 18% increase in homelessness across the region, with the largest increases in the suburbs. And one of the more visible signs of rising homelessness are encampments in public parks and squares. And so far, D.C. has dealt with this growing number of encampments by clearing them as they pop up across the city. Last spring, nearly 80 people were driven out of their tents in the McPherson Square encampment near the White House. You must leave McPherson Square now. 45-year-old Andre Townsend was there that day, and he lost his four-foot by six-foot living space. My biggest fear was like, man, what are we going to do? Got all this stuff. Like, man, where we gonna go, bro? Townsend is from Northeast D.C., and he fell into homelessness after getting out of prison. When he got home, a family dispute left him with little money, and an ongoing drug problem got worse. I'm a strong individual, and I'm not content with my living arrangements, living out on a curve, and, and just giving up. You know what I mean? It's like giving up. Nah. Uh-uh. Can't just give up like that. But since the clearing, Townsend has found a place to live at the Friendship Place Housing Program. You know how good it feels to have a peace, get a peace of mind, be quiet, you can shut the door, get your peace of mind, read a book, you know, just sitting there with the TV off and just, just look out the window and just enjoy the small things, you know. In short, Townsend escaped homelessness, but only through housing program. It's a pathway that's proven to work, according to the executive director of the National Coalition for the Homeless, Donald Whitehead. He said it's key to solving what he calls a rampant homelessness problem. Homelessness is not a moral issue. It's an issue that is structural. Whitehead comes on the show to talk about this complex issue, one that he knows from personal experience. And he explains why he thinks the solution is actually pretty simple. Donald, welcome to the DMV Download Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor to be, uh, WTOP is so amazing in its work. I'm happy to be here, and thank you for having me. Each year, the Metropolitan Washington Council of Governments, which is basically a group of lawmakers and leaders, for those who don't know, they do a count on the homeless population in the D.C. region. And in the last five years, we've seen decreases each year, but that stopped in January. You know, we actually saw a 20% increase in the homeless population. Why is that? Why are we seeing that? So there's a couple of things to put some context to kind of the growth in homelessness. We obviously have seen numbers increase nationwide, and there's many factors that have been a part of that increase. One thing to really recognize is the numbers from last year were artificially lowered 
because of the resources that were available as the response to the COVID epidemic. Mm. So there were hotel rooms that were available for people to actually get into. There was the eviction moratorium that was in place. So we've been asking for dollars for prevention for years. The lower numbers last year really indicate what happens when those prevention resources are put in place. But at the same time, we've seen dramatic increases in housing costs all across the country, especially in this region. Year over year, from 2020 to 2021, housing costs increased by 18%. So nationally, what we've seen is more people in unsheltered homeless situations. And that had grown for five years prior to COVID, and it's continuing to grow since those COVID resources weren't on the table. And before we go any further, you know, homelessness is one of the more complex issues that our society faces. It involves mental health. It involves housing. It involves the economy. It involves human beings. Can you define what homelessness really means? I think it's a pretty broad definition, but good to underline it. So there's basically three kinds of homelessness, those that are unsheltered. The people that you see on the streets in our community, they're in tents, they're on benches. That's unsheltered homelessness. We also have people that are sheltered. There are large congregate shelters with, at one point, there were 1,300 people at CCNV, for instance. There are smaller shelters for women and children, domestic violence shelters. So people in situations where they are sheltered by a social service agency, those are our sheltered homeless population. And then you have those that live doubled up. And these are people who live in a house that's designed for one family and multiple families live there Mm -hmm. is an example. But there's other examples, people who are couch surfing, who go from one friend to another, to one relative to another, and their homelessness is invisible. We don't see that homelessness, but it exists nonetheless. Mm there's that idea of invisibility or, you know, not looking. And I think homelessness is an issue where society oftentimes chooses not to see or look. Many people can relate to walking down the street and maybe just looking ahead and there's someone experiencing homelessness, maybe to the right or left. Can you pull that veil back for us a little bit and talk about that homeless experience and how difficult and why we should care? And, and I can talk about this from a personal perspective. I experienced homelessness myself. And that feeling of invisibility, a feeling that people are looking past you or around you, sometimes even the feeling that people are looking right through you is something that's very prominent with people who experience homelessness. The truth is they're human beings just like any of us with the possibility to succeed if we give them the resources they need to get to the next level. So these are people who are just like everybody else in the general population. I've seen doctors. I've seen lawyers. I've seen teachers. I've seen mechanics. I've seen veterans. All segments of society are represented within the population. And there are multiple reasons people get to that situation, but they're human beings. And it's become such a normal issue in this country. When I was a young man in the 60s and 70s, this kind of rampant homelessness was not in existence. We didn't see tents on the sidewalk. Mm. Uh, We didn't see people living in parks. But now it's almost become accepted. And we have to get to the other side of that. Our country has to be one that doesn't accept people living 
on streets and sidewalks in the richest country in the world. I mean, it, it really is a status quo. And I think we see that oftentimes within the news and the headlines when encampments are moved. There's, let's say, a park near the White House. Recently, there was an encampment and the encampment moved. But many of those living there just moved to another encampment, maybe further into Rock Creek. Is that sustainable? It is absolutely not sustainable. The biggest issue with what I call raids of encampments, because I don't use the term sweeps because, again, these are human beings. And you sweep trash or you sweep leaves. You shouldn't consider displacing human being sweeps. And so I call them raids. And the thing about them is they do nothing to solve homelessness. That example of the park, I was there when it happened. We advocated strongly with the federal departments that were working on that issue that that shouldn't happen because there was no place for those people to go. The only time you should dismantle a campment, in my opinion, in my organization's opinion, is when they have housing at the end of it. Because what happens is you move people from place to place. Every time you move them, you make their situation tougher to get out of. They are removed from services that they've been able to connect with, medical services, case management services. All that has to start again. So we are wasting taxpayer dollars when we do this. We also put them in isolation. And what we've seen lately is people attacking people that are in vulnerable situations, that are homeless, because they're isolated. People go to encampments because they need a sense of community for Mm. safety. And when we dismantle those encampments, we not only take away that safety, that sense of community, we take away the very things they need for survival, like tents and whatever other supplies. Sometimes we even throw away their medical supplies. We've been hearing from Donald Whitehead, executive director of the National Coalition for the Homeless. After the break, he's going to lay out what he calls a simple solution to homelessness. And we're back. So, Donald, homelessness is an issue that hurts those living through it, but it also hurts society, as we've been talking about. So there's really an incentive for everyone. What are the solutions to this collective problem? Well, I'll tell you that COVID actually showed us a pathway to resolving homelessness. We saw the numbers kind of stay static, if you will, when we had prevention services, the eviction moratorium. We weren't evicting people on a regular basis like we do now. We had additional resources to provide non-congregate shelters. So we want everybody to have a shelter. We want everybody to be in a place where there is a roof over their heads and heat and all those things. But the congregate shelter is a place where there can be a lot of negative issues, overcrowding. If a medical issue happens with one person, everybody is mm. is subject to it. So we want people to have housing. In COVID, we saw hotels being utilized. These were empty hotels that weren't being used. And so people were able to get in non-congregate settings and be able to move through the system quicker. There were locked doors behind them. Safety was in effect for women and children and other vulnerable populations. So we saw glimpses of what a future without homelessness could look like through the resources that were provided by the Biden administration. What we have never seen is that 
sustained level of resources. The level of resources has never met the level of the issue of homelessness. So we've never had the real resources we need to affect structural change. Mm, and that's what we cycle, have to do. We have to break the cycle. We have to address the underlying needs, the structural needs, and they are everything from the lack of affordable housing to poverty to structural racism is still an issue in this country. We see that people of color are a lot more likely to become homeless at a degree that is a lot larger than their portion of the population. There is an issue there. We have to be honest about it, and we have to address it. And that's the only way we're going to change Mm. and end homelessness. For someone who's like, look, I don't want my taxpayer dollars helping someone who's had their shot and is in a tough situation. You know, what do you say to those maybe unempathetic people that do exist? I think that those are people who see it as a zero-sum game. And they don't understand that if I work to address homelessness, if I help people get out of this unfortunate situation, it not only benefits that person who's getting out of homelessness, it benefits the community as a whole. Mm. We've demonstrated the reduction in cost in emergency room visits and the police presence and hospital emergency rooms and, and mental health services. All of those are reduced when we get people off the street and into their own housing units. Any of the underlying issues like mental health or substance abuse are much better addressed when a person is in stable housing than a person's living on the street. And that benefits the community as a whole. And believe it or not, you know, their taxpayer dollars are being spent on those myopic solutions like raiding encampments. Mm. There's a cost to that. There's a cost to the hostile architecture that we see where communities are placing large cement blocks under bridges or Mm, putting spikes, spikes, exactly, or bars on benches to keep people from sleeping. All of those come at a cost. And again, none of those things end homelessness. Can you pull from your personal experience a little bit, maybe share how all these dynamics we're talking about played out in your own life? So I had a real advantage, and, and the advantage for me was that I found myself during my period of homelessness in a situation that was a loving community where there were mentors and and people who were willing to invest in me and allow me to be part of the solution. That's something that's happening all across the country now and I think is, is a real positive development. People with lived experience are allowed to be a part of the solution on advisory boards and committees. And even in my case, I got hired by the shelter I went to. I was dealing with a substance abuse issue. I was able to get treatment for that substance abuse issue, and I haven't looked back. That was almost 30 years ago. Since that time, I've had the opportunity to speak at the UN and speak in front of members of Congress, meet presidents. I've won an Emmy. All of those things happened because people were able to invest in me. Now I have my job here and two businesses, so I'm contributing to the community in a way that most people couldn't see when I was on the street. And that's the message that everybody has the opportunity to get through this issue. And when they get to the other side, they can really, really help others in the community. But we have to be loving enough as a community to give them the opportunity to do that. I have hundreds of people to thank for my experience. And I know that there are hundreds of people right now that can do it for 
any person living on the street. You can absolutely end your homelessness, go in another direction, but we need a loving, caring community that's willing to support that. Mm. And they need the resources too. Right, right. We're here, sitting here today, it's 2023, and we've experienced as a region a 20% rise in homelessness. Where do we stand as a, a region, and what are some things, if you know, you're listening and you're a lawmaker, if you're listening, you're a community member, what are some tangible takeaways that you could maybe implement? The key to ending homelessness starts with housing. We believe that housing should be a human right in this country, and if every city adapted that, then we would have a much quicker path to ending homelessness. We need to make sure that cities are paying livable wages. You know, if you were to work a minimum wage job in Washington, D.C., you can't afford housing at only 40 hours. We, we need to change that. Mm-hmm. We need to look at the millions of units of abandoned housing and abandoned buildings that we have in this country. We can adapt and reuse those so that they can be housing for people. So it's really important that people understand that homelessness is not a moral issue. It's an issue that is structural and that people don't cause their own homelessness. And I've never met anybody who wants to be homeless. People want to be housed. And we should be doing that as a society. It's a benefit to society as a whole in so many ways. In a place like D.C. where touristry is a really big part of the economy, the better we do with getting people off our streets for good and not temporarily through moving people along, the more it'll benefit that industry, the more people we'll see coming through airports and train stations into the city. So it benefits the city as a whole. But it really starts and ends with housing and supportive services, and we need to do a better job of that. You know, I started the show, Donald, with saying that homelessness is a very complex issue, which I think still remains true. But from what I'm hearing, the solution is simple. The solution, it's simple yet complicated because it's simple in what we need to fix homelessness. Mm. The complicated part is getting our elected officials to make that a priority. So they get sidetracked with so many other things. And we know there's many, many problems in our society that we need to fix, but none more fundamental than taking care of those that can't take care of themselves or just need a little boost to take care of themselves. That's where it gets complicated, changing hearts and minds of those we elect uh, to make these decisions. And what's at stake if we don't? We've been talking about this cycle that we've been spiraling as a country. There wasn't this huge issue of homelessness back in the 60s and 70s. It wasn't as big. If this spiral continues and gets worse, what's at stake? Well, I think we could stand to lose our place in the world as a shining example on the hill that some people believe us to be. The more people see images of tents and people laying on sidewalks and even people being murdered because of their homelessness. We saw that in New York. That can't be something that people are attracted to. And so we'll start to lose our ability to draw people to this country, whether it's through immigration or tourism, whatever it is. The United States will no longer be attractive. And if we don't have resources coming in because people want to come to this country, we'll be a different kind of country. So there, there's a lot at stake. Mm. The last thing I'll say is that homelessness is solvable. We just have to make it a priority. We have to 
push our elected officials to make it a priority. And and only you can do that if you're a voter. I'm asking you to make sure that your elected official understands that this is a solvable problem. And we are a country that solves big problems. And this is one that we can solve. And I hope we start doing it. Donald, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And that'll do it for us today here on the DMV Download Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, let us know how we're doing on this show. Rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're always looking and we love the feedback. And this show is brought to you by WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, and 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland. Online at WTOP.com and, of course, on the WTOP News app. Have a great week. We'll talk Wednesday.